I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Smith NFL. What's up, y'all? It's Jonathan Rollins. This is Sara. Uh, we are two Americans living in Sweden talking about football. Oh, hell yes. Uh, shout out to Italy. Oh, I'm so glad. You know what? I, this is exactly, I know, obviously, American football podcast. Yes. Yeah, that's we are. But, yeah. I, I mean. There's another beautiful sport out there. My boys. Of the same name. The Italians. I've been rooting for these guys since I can remember. They win their first European championship since 1968. It's only the second mm. time they've ever done it. In the most dramatic fashion, did you watch the game? No, I didn't see the whole thing. Whew. Yeah, but I know that it went to penalties, which is the, one of the most exciting things in sports. I was on edge. It's penalty kicks. Brother, on uh, serious yeah. edge. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, they pulled it out. Yeah, they did. They beat England. Thanks to the goalie, who was unreal. Uh, and I was going to say, as happy as I am that my squad won, I'm equally joyful that England uh, lost. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. With all this, like, it's coming home bullshit. Uh, and also, of course, you saw the reaction of what's going on there. Yeah, there were three mm-hmm. black players that uh, missed kicks. Because mm-hmm. the goalie did well, as you said, right? Right. And uh, they are, of course, being blamed and uh, racially attacked uh, for <laughs> making England lose. Did you hear about this? Com- he's a, I guess he's a British comedian called Andrew Lawrence. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. He's in trouble. Uh, oh, really? I thought a, he was going to say He's some essentially smart shit. been canceled. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, because he took to Twitter afterwards and said, All I'm saying, the white guy scored. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, and then he followed it up by saying, Equality, diversity, shit penalties. Um, and he said, I can see that this has offended a lot of people, and I'm sorry that the black guys are bad at penalties. Damn. So, so he, in the last 24 hours, has lost his Everything. manager, Agency, his yeah. agent, <laughs> yeah. shows are being canceled. Yeah. I normally, uh, I jump to the comedian side in these things as mm-hmm. a comedian, but this shit wasn't on stage. This shit, you sat down and tweeted that shit? That's stupid. Yeah. You didn't want you didn't th- you didn't know that was gonna happen, man. Kind of dumb. And then it's not even for like funny. Like it wasn't smart. Or, I don't know. Mm. You gotta have so if you're gonna say something offensive, it's gotta be funny. Well, I also you know I think a lot it it obviously England has a lot of fans because there's a lot of people in England, but I yeah. don't think it's a huge surprise that outside of England, most people don't like to root for England, except mm. for maybe the Americans because they feel that kind of yeah connection, connection yeah. perhaps. Um, but it was quite funny to watch this whole. It's, there's a set. They have this whole. It's coming. They claim to have invented football. <laughs> uh, that's why they have this whole. It's coming oh, okay, home okay. bullshit. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, as a bit of a history lesson, I prepared okay. uh, for today. Um, yeah, Italy is the country that actually brought 
like the early form of football to England in the first place. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot so of people, we brought it home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people don't realize this, but the early origins of both American football and soccer can be traced to the same place, Italy. Mm, okay. And it's this game called Calcio Fiorentino. Mm. It is an insane game that was played, you know, all the way back in the Roman Empire days. It's like a cross between rugby, American football, soccer, and MMA fighting. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So you can kick the ball. You can throw it. You can pick it up and run with it. But you can also punch a motherfucker in the face. Okay. Right? Uh, you can kick him. You can trip him. You so can, it's like kill the man with the ball. More or less. Remember that game? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, and there are still some small towns in Italy where they where they play this game. Like so call of, it a kill the ball. S- sort of like a, in the same way that we might do Civil War reenactments. Oh, okay. Right? So it's like Man, an, an But old. they do it for real. Like, I mean, they're really out there punching each other in the face. And these guys Damn. are built like absolute monsters. Okay. Um, Interesting. Um, so, so the coming home is bullshit. Coming home is bullshit. Uh, the only thing England actually did was that they kind of, um, they decided that this sport that had come to them by way of Italy had become too brutal and uncivilized. Mm. Um, so they decided it should make it boring. Well, they decided (laughs) that it actually should be separated into two sports. And this is how you ah. got rugby being one sport and soccer being a separate sport. Okay. Previous to that, there were these games like Calcio Fiorentina, which were basically the two, it felt like both of the sports at once. Uh, they also kind of standardized the rules, which was maybe mm. a good thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, England, you didn't invent shit. So okay. uh, England, actually, last interesting fact, were the ones who called it soccer. Most people think that it's the idiot Americans who called it soccer. We didn't come up with that. They called it that. The English called it soccer, and it wasn't until the Americans started playing soccer that they got pissed off and annoyed and decided to change the name to football. Oh, I can't wait till the next Swedish person comes to me talking mm-hmm. about what do you call it, <laughs> soccer? And I'm like, actually, because that's what the English that's called it, was, it. That's what the English called it. So, and it was actually because they had this because you're socking the ball. Well, what it was is that they had this um, sort of tendency to add, like, to give different n- names of things. They would give them nicknames, right? Uh-huh. So rugby originally was called rugger. Like you would add an ER onto mm. the and oh soccer and then, soccer. and that was how they got soccer as well. It was like soccer. soccer. It was soccer, soccer, and they kind of so it was there. They're Rugger. the ones who came up with this. Rugger soccer, mm-hmm. not okay. us. And I, I took. It wasn't until like maybe ten years ago that I came to realize this. Wow. Uh, okay, I, so, I'm 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 ready for the next argument mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Uh, next time somebody just, asks you like why do Ameri- why are Americans so stupid? Why do they call it soccer? You'd be like, I don't know. Ask one of your English friends. You dumb fuck. <laughs> why are you so stupid to think that we started calling it that? Yeah, exactly. Nice dumbasses. Yeah. So fuck you, England. Fuck all of your racists. And you know what? Uh, I'll admit something. Whenever I watch any sport mm. since I was a kid. Um, and I don't have any vested interest in the team or the or the athlete or whatever. Mm. I always rooted for the closer to black person or or <clears throat> team. That would be Italy in that particular case. Yes. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but um, if I were to like walk into the room right and England and Italy were playing, mm. I probably would have rooted for England because they have black players. Because they have black players, sure. right? So if I once I saw the black players on the team, like it was just like a natural thing. I would just start. Mm rooting for them, wanting them to do well. 
and um, they uh, missed the ball on like uh, understanding how much people like me care about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then when you treat them like shit afterwards or show your racist selves afterwards, mm. then it's like... Also, shout out to... There's another great story, actually, of one of the players, um, Tyrone Mings, I think is his name. Mm. Um, so throughout the entire tournament, the England uh, soccer team took a knee before the kickoff mm-hmm. to protest against uh, racism and discrimination. Mm. Oh. Um, and they got booed a lot for doing that. Uh, and they did it anyway. And the politicians in England, who are a little more on the right side of things, such as their prime minister and right some as others, a conservative or right as in conservative, okay, not okay. as in correct. Okay, uh, were were criticizing them of uh, what did they call it? They called it oh, though the players are just doing gesture politics. Okay, right. But when all this racism shit breaks out after England loses, these same politicians. Are stepping out and saying, "Whoa, this is horrible. We condemn racism." Mm. <clears throat> Tyro Mings fires off on Twitter. This is a quote that I brought especially for you today because I thought you would dig this. He says, <laughs> okay. "You don't get to stoke the fire at the beginning of the tournament tournament by labeling our anti uh, our anti racism message as gesture politics and then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens." Oof, Tyrone. Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings. That's a black ass name too. <laughs> that's a black ass name. Even in England, they got a black ass name. Yes, I love it. That's right, man. And did they respond? Anybody? No. No. And when they reached out to them for, uh, uh, for a comment, comment. Uh, uh, it says later in the article that they, you know, they just said, "Did you see my other tweet? The later one? <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see that one? The one where I said that's racism I is say. bad? Yeah, that's what I had to say. <laughs> no, no, no. We're asking you about the one you wrote before. Uh, no, but did you see the other? But I wrote a but, but I, I wrote a, but I, pandered. I wrote a new one. <laughs> I did a rewrite. <laughs> the, which means oh, the other one's man. gone now, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that, bro. The, and I thought it was just me that did that too. What I was saying, mm. what I did, uh, and then I met my friend, you know, Amat, mm. um, who's Swedish. Yeah, and he told me that he does the same thing growing up, and it's right. just like a thing. Like when you're the minority in a country, <clears> it's like you just kind of look for that thing. And uh, these couldn't things, that get you in trouble in some certain situations? It got like him what? in trouble. He tells the story about when he oh, really? when Sweden was going uh, was playing Ni- Nigeria, I think it was mm-hmm. in like uh, sometime in the nineties, I believe. Right, and he was he went to uh, a bar, and he was the only one rooting for Nigeria. Right. And uh, Sweden beat Nigeria that year. Okay. But the one who scored was this black player on Sweden's team. Mm. So he was just loving the whole thing. And the people were mad at him because he was all cheering for the Nigerian team. Uh, he's not Nigerian of the right. Nigerian descent. He's from, uh, he's Gambian Swedish. Mm. And, uh, but he was just like, he just happy. He was just sees the black team. You, you want them to do well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People been through shit, man. You want to root for them. And then he's like, well, I mean, y'all mad at me, but you know, the black guy did do it for y'all too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, black wins. Yeah. So, it's a, <laughs> but if it's a boxing match, I know I just noticed that it just happened, and sometimes mm. I would feel guilt about it. Actually, mm. like, damn, am I like racist? <laughs> but I'm like bigging up. I'm bigging up people that are oppressed, and I don't it, think that's a bad thing. A few years back, Italy had. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. What was, as far as I can remember, the only black player I've ever seen play for the Italian national team, Mario, Mario Bolatelli. Yeah. Um, he turned out to be a bit of a handful, 
Um, he was one of those guys that I, I guess he could, you know, it was one of those, st- you see him in the NFL all the time. These guys who they didn't come from much. And then suddenly when they have money, they kind of, they start doing a lot of crazy yeah. things. Um, yeah. But he sort of, he flamed out a little bit. I remember when he, he, he had a sort of a meteoric rise and, I remember and then yeah. suddenly it was like, nah. gone. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> well, enough know. about soccer. Yes. Soccer, soccer. Isn't that right, England? <laughs> to quote the English, soccer. Yeah, uh-huh. I hope. Uh, yeah. And oh, you know what? One last thing I want to say. Yeah. Before we move on, yeah. and I mentioned it on uh, my pod. If you want to hear us go in depth, then check out the Power Meeting podcast, the latest episode. But um, I think it should be. I think I wouldn't be mad if these leagues punish teams for uh, their the actions of their fans. Mm. Well, d- um, I mean that that happens frequently. Where when something like this happens, a lot of times, like the team will have to play a certain number of games um, behind closed doors with no fans. Oh, um, this that's is, a good punishment. This is currently happening. Um, well, first of all, okay. Aside from that, I think that England should be banned from hosting any kind of tournament like this. Agreed for. The That's foreseeable years, future. Yeah. For At least lo- two years, yeah. No, but that doesn't work because they only have these tournaments every four years. Oh, yeah, years. that's true. Maybe three tournaments. <clears throat> so in my opinion, it should be like a 15 to 20-year period. England shouldn't even be I love allowed it. to apply. Smack them um, in the face, yeah. This is currently going on in the U.S. too because the Mexican national team is a bit of a mess in the sense that they have this weird chant that they always do. It's a very like homophobic where they're okay. yelling at the goalkeeper something about being a gay male mm. prostitute or okay something like that so so the the soccer association over there or fifa i guess fifa has decided that they have to play their next several games behind closed doors and i love it now they're threatening to actually disqualify mexico from participating in the world cup that's easy to do to mexico but right well it's easy to do to mexico do that shit to england Exactly. But here's the thing that's problematic about it, because if you, on one level, you can agree with that, mm-hmm. but you also have to look at the fact that FIFA has, against everyone's wishes and, and good advice, has decided to have the next World Cup in Qatar, which, mm. if yeah. you just do a quick Wikipedia yeah. search about homosexuality in right, Qatar, right. you find that, at best... If found guilty of being a homosexual, it's an automatic three-year prison sentence. If you're a Muslim and you have to deal with Sharia law, then it's a death sentence. So not really sure FIFA is really (laughs) should be the arbitrator of morality in this particular area. I think, Um, but I think um, money talks, man. And if you if you say, hey, if you guys don't act right, then you don't get the game. And hey, uh, what women can't drive me a country? Well, you can't watch a game, right? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, there's no human rights. Uh, uh, well, you don't have the right to fucking uh, make money off of our tournament. Mm-hmm. That's where they, they should get, man. And yeah. I know they want to. People want to uh, separate sports and politics, but it never. You can't. When does that ever happen? Exactly. You can't. And uh, most most early versions of sports, like regular people, weren't even allowed to play them. The only people who were allowed to play them were the politicians. Politi- politics and sports have always been connected. Always. I didn't know that. Since the beginning of time. So you can't mm. suddenly just wake up one day and go, this doesn't belong here. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> if you think that, then you just 
too ignorant and don't know your history. Or, or the conversation makes you uncomfortable for some reason, in which case that's a you problem, right? Yeah. So deal with it. Yeah. Fuck off. You know what makes me uncomfortable? Racism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, damn, we put 15 minutes on that shit. We did. Uh, we talked well, a hey. lot about, hey. It's what it is. That's what we do. Um, we're going to start off on a sad note this week. RIP to legendary Broncos O-line coach Alex Gibbs died at the age of 80 following a stroke. Now, the reason why Gibbs is kind of an interesting person to talk about, he essentially kind of reinvented the idea of the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, something that still, you still see every Sunday, uh, in the league, Today, so essentially, what he did is he he switched out these big, kind of massive, hulking, slow offensive linemen for these more kind of like agile, mm-hmm. shifty kind Kyle of Kyle Shanahan guys. Exactly, and yeah. he uh, and he essentially instead of doing the the what they called this traditional trap and double team type type coverage, he switched to his own scheme. Mm-hmm. Right, that oh, kind of confuse. He's not the first person to ever do it, mm-hmm. but he's the first person to really kind of perfect it. Okay, right. So he took something that that I mean, even Lombardi was trying things like this, mm-hmm. um, but this was the first coach who really kind of who perfected it uh, to the point where not only did it produce two Super Bowls for Denver, but he also managed... Under Shanahan, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but he also managed to produce, uh, like, f- what it says here, from 1995 to the year 2000, Denver Broncos had had, had at least one 1,000-yard rusher every year. Yeah, man, Terrell Davis, <clears throat> big head dude. Yeah. Uh, so that's... Um, he changed the game. Like mm-hmm. he literally changed the game and we see it today and you can see um you can see teams that are still using this technique. Yeah, today. definitely zone blocking. Um so yeah, shout out to him, shout out Gibbs. Um and interesting enough, he left he left Denver for a while. He went to Atlanta, he went to somewhere else and uh and he came back to Denver towards the end of his career and the year that he came back to Denver when Peyton Manning was a quarterback, he managed to reduce the number of sacks taken by Peyton Manning from like 40 the previous year to like 20 the year that he oh, came Oh, wow. Back. So like that's how good this Fucking guy was. guru. Yeah. Uh, another death, we got Greg Clark, former tight end for the 49ers. Damn. Um, not, uh, not that Clark. Not Dwight Clark. <laughs> Greg Clark. <laughs> uh Probably, probably a CTE thing. Yeah, actually. yeah. Um, so they're following up on that. Mm. Kind of sad. He's only forty nine years old. Damn. Right. This kind of freaked me out because I'm for I'm like forty eight. Whenever I see this shit, it drives me. I know. Oh. That I didn't play football for however many years, so I know I'm probably. It won't be brain <clears> issues. But. Probably. I got my own brain issues, but they're not from like smashing into people. <laughs> it's from uh, drug usage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not nearly as bad as multiple concussions. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'd rather uh, shoot up heroin than play football. <laughs> it's healthier. <laughs> right? It's way healthier. That's what the drug dealer uh, should say on the block. Yeah. Hey, man, you going to football practice, man? Mm-hmm. You trying to mess your brain up, man? Shoot up this heroin. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's one of the ease from that era. You know, you know, where's the guy's known for toughness, you know, yeah, plays through injuries. Walk it off. Broken ribs. Mm. Uh, says here, oh, this is funny. 
this is one for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, one game in Minnesota, <laughs> he played through. Uh, he played. He continued playing despite the fact that a, a member of the 49ers medical staff punctured his lung while injecting his ribs with a painkiller before the game. Uh, he just kept playing. So. <laughs> that doctor moved to the Chargers later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His son. <laughs> his son is. <laughs> his son grew up to be a doctor. Is now a hero in, <laughs> and has ended Tyrod Taylor's career. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, it, these stories of these guys, it yeah. kinda, they freak, I get a little freaked out. Yeah. Um, they, another, and they made no money. Exactly. That's the craziest part. They were like, oh, exactly. I'm also a garbage man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> garbage man by day, punctured lung lineman yeah. by night. It's mm-hmm. like, what the exactly. hell? Oh, tight end. Um, another interesting story this week uh, connected to the Broncos. Um, you remember last season when the whole QB room yeah, had yeah. to sit out for, <laughs> for yeah. COVID I'll, protocol? I'll talk about that a little bit. We're doing the <laughs> AFC West coaching staff. Today. Yeah. Um, well, apparently the 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 wide receiver who was forced to play quarterback mm-hmm. that game, his name was uh, Kendall Kendall Hilton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, did not do very well, no. but earned an enormous amount of respect for even just getting out there. Uh, I don't understand. I still don't understand why they didn't just cancel this game or postpone. Like, yeah. given all the other games that got postponed, like why not this one? Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced that Hilton's wristband, which had all the plays that he needed to call, will go on display uh, at the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, uh, among some other unique artifacts from the 2020 season. Oh, wow. Uh, they, they, I guess they've gathered a bunch of like weird things related to- Because well, it was a crazy COVID to season. To the COVID year, yeah. and that was one of the That's things. That's a good thing. That's pretty cool. Uh so he said, the quote from him is quite funny, though. He seems to be taking it well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, you know, honestly, it's a blessing. He says, it's still unreal. Unfortunately, I'll have to explain to my kids what a negative QBR is someday. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I used to be quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's the taking The Disney movie is going to have a different ending. As it should, yeah. <laughs> it's Disney. Uh, I just thought that was kind of an interesting story. That's that'll be funny if a Disney movie ended like that. Yeah, where he just keeps getting sacked and just throwing bad passes and you know interception. And yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it it had all of the traditional setups yeah. for a Disney movie. The... It's probably got a crazy uh, halftime speech. Come on, guys! I believe. Do you believe? <laughs> but it also had the game ended in such a way. That makes you realize that Disney movies are bullshit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, <laughs> well, well, we lost loses. thirty-one to three. So, <laughs> <laughs> take some hill. I'll play you. <laughs> oh goodness! Hard, it, it made you realize how hard of a position that is to play. Yes. Uh, in other news, the football gods nearly settled the QB competition up in Denver this past week. Uh-oh. Uh, Drew Locke had this uh, very random but very sc- scary shit happen while he was driving through the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, somewhere nearby, the, there was a car that lost its wheel. Um, and in the midst of all that, as Drew Locke is, is you know driving down the freeway, a lug nut from this car just smashes into his windshield. Oh my god! And there's photographs of it. Oh my god! Uh, of the uh, let's see, where are the photographs? It's it's pretty intense, actually. Look at this motherfucker right here. Look. Oh 
And it, luckily it got stuck in his windshield. Yeah, man. Otherwise, uh, yeah. At that speed, man. Mm-hmm. Highway speed. So Denver, you were you were one lug nut away from a Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater season, season. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if Drew Locke is going to be any better, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the NFL would have been like, "Yes, no CTE case there." <laughs> Jesus, got a lug nut accident. It's definitely lug nut damage. Easily. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's some scary shit. Oh, man. I mean, you could wreck your car just from the surprise of that happening. Hell yeah, I would. You know what I mean? I would have wrecked my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Just fucking open. <laughs> open the glove compartment. Baby. Yeah, baby, I need them baby wipes. <laughs> Y'all all right? All right. Uh, sorry about the smell. <laughs> We're going to go to the next rest stop, and uh, daddy's going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Officer shows up. So, uh, we're gonna need you to get out of the car. No, no, no it's not gonna, no, it's not no, gonna I can't. I can't walk just around. Bring the tow Come truck. Yeah. Drag, drag <laughs> I'm gonna ride. Sorry. I'm just gonna ride here. <laughs> just officer. drag my sorry ass to the rest stop. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm not getting out till I got clean draws. Okay, officer. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> what is going on? Oh well, now. We appear to have reached our criminal portion of the podcast. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. NFL criminals. Bad boys, bad boys. What, <laughs> what you, you gonna, gonna do? <laughs> uh, Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark officially charged with felony possession of an assault weapon. Faces up to three years in prison. Now, wow. you remember this story from a couple of weeks ago. Frank Clark was driving while black in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. It just had guns on him. We don't know why they pulled him over, but it did sound like a driving while black yeah, kind of thing. Just, just so happened. If you pull enough of them over, somebody's going to have something. Someone's going to have an Uzi. Because <laughs> that's what he had. It was an Uzi. Somebody's going to have a Just keep pulling them over. Somebody. Gonna have Uzi. This is America. And he had an Uzi. (laughs) God damn it. Something told me. (laughs) I was gonna say in court. Something told me, leave the Uzi home. And I was like, you know what? No, not today. You should always listen to that voice that tells you to leave the Uzi (laughs) home. Like, who the fuck is driving around with an Uzi in the car? Honestly. You got your keys? I got my keys. I got my Uzi. I got my wallet. Unbelievable. (laughs) We can go now. (laughs) I mean, look, I get that these players probably feel a certain lack of security when they go out into no. the real world. No, it's right? bullshit. I think it's bullshit. But I, I don't think, think an bullshit. Uzi is one of those things that... I think you got money, you like guns, and you get the fancy gun they talk about in the rap songs and shit. Sure. That's what it is, man. Yeah, maybe. You can afford whatever. So you get, all right, you know what? I'm going to get that Uzi, man. That's a pretty cool gun. And then you ride around with this pointless gun in your, in your trunk. That's what it is. Hmm. He probably never even shot it before. From... The sad thing is, is that Frank Clark is like a beast of a fucking defensive end, and if he winds up not being, he's gonna need a beast of a defense attorney. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nah, he'll be all right, man. They'll beat that charge. Yeah, they'll think of something though. Up to three years. I hope not. It's like this is when you want the the judge to think about it. Like, come on, man. Hmm. This is gonna be a productive member of society. You got the scare, scare that he needs. Tell him to get rid of all his weapons. Maybe then, you like, get rid of all your weapons and you can be a free man. The hard part is, is that you don't really get to pick like when the legal system or how fast the legal system kind of yeah. plays out, which kind of puts the Chiefs in a situation where they have to look at the fact that, you know, it says here that, you know, it's 18.5 million in, in cap space. 
Mm. Right? So what do you do? Do you do you back your guy or do you mm. let him go, you know, and just take the cap hit? Tell um, the judge, hey man, look under your desk tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a little something. Yeah. Uh, the the point five from the eighteen point five million is under your desk. <laughs> the point five, that's good. I like that. Uh, on with more criminal or potential criminal news. Is this uh, the one that hurts? This is the one that hurts, and oh and God. yeah, somebody posted this on the Facebook group. Oh my God! Uh, I've, and I fucked around and read it. Yeah, it ruined my day. Falcons cut linebacker uh, Barkevius Mingo after the emergence of child sex offense charges. Did you read the story? Uh, I didn't read the deed. I didn't see any details. That's I went looking, man. Were, were there details? Yeah, there's Oof. details. It's it's straight up grooming. Uh huh. He was grooming, so this probably wasn't even his first time, man. He's t- he's taking these kids out, buying them stuff, and they're like. Uh, like preteen age, mm-hmm. so like thirteen. I think the kid was thirteen in this case, mm-hmm. and he's got his little cousin or something like that, and then his cousin's friend, mm-hmm. and they're staying in separate hotel rooms. He gets in the, uh, he comes into the room, according to the kid, he comes into the room, and um, like lays in the bed with him. Mm. Dude, of course, gets scared. The thirteen year old, this big ass NFL player is in mm-hmm. bed with you, so he just pretends he's asleep. And all of a sudden, he pulls the kid's pants down, Oof. and then he like uh, put like some type of like massage oil on him or something like that. And he's like, um, so he, he felt warm and stuff. He just kept pretending that he was asleep, and then he was like grinding up against him. And they don't, um, yeah. But that's enough, man. That uh, that's disgusting. From what I read, they didn't say anything about uh, I don't know, quote unquote, penetration or anything. Right, that doesn't matter. But it's uh, horrifying. And uh, and that kid, uh, my heart goes out to that kid, man. When you know. Um, how scary that must have been. Hmm. Well, his lawyer is firing back, saying that he thinks it's extremely disappointing. On on the part of the Atlanta Falcons, he calls it a rush to judgment. Um, I I mean, my client sleepwalks. You know, <laughs> like what the fuck? It's, it is one of those things where it's like I guess the lawyer got to do their job. Though. I mean, they got to do their job, and 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 is there a universe in which he didn't do this? Uh, sure. But, you know, if you're an NFL team, like, there are certain accusations that I think you can't really sit around. He's basically saying, like, well, we think it's a shame they didn't wait for the legal process to play out. And it's like, look, dude, this isn't – this is a little different than the Frank Clark thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a gun charge is a gun – you know, there's – there's no victim involved in that crime. Yeah, right. exactly. It's just you driving around with an Uzi, you know – this is a completely different scenario. So I, I, I think the Falcons did the right thing. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't even think he, as far as I read, he, he didn't, we just, we got him, I think we picked him up as a free agent right. this year. He hasn't yeah. even played he hasn't for, the for the Falcons. No. Um, but I get, the lawyer's probably saying like, and once the team drops you, then in the court of public opinion, people probably think, oh, this is a guilty motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And other teams will probably be like, so I get that, but that ain't their responsibility. That's That's not the team's responsibility to make sure that he looks like a, uh, you know, like it's a possible, you know, like like that alleged, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. that that ain't their responsibility. The team's responsibility is to make the best decision for the team, and they're going to do that every time. So Mm -hmm. maybe don't climb into bed with a 13-year-old child. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess they didn't. it's not proven that he did, but, well, I mean, you think that kid made it up? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, misunderstanding. Oh, I was oiled up. I was oiling. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way to talk your way out of that shit. And and you know the way they figured it out that they corroborated the kid's story was looking at receipts mm-hmm. because he was like, "I'm gonna send you some stuff, mm. some uh, shoes, I think it was, and some other stuff, like some Nikes or something like that." Mm. And they're like, "Oh, he did do it." He sent the stuff to the kid. So uh-huh. it's like, uh, that must, I mean, the kid ain't lying about that part. Right. So. It's creepy. <clears throat> yeah, man. People got issues, man. I hope they get that shit checked out. And if you're interested in children, go get, go talk to a therapist or something. Yeah. that's Or kill yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need everyone. <laughs> To be here. I don't know if you heard, I say but that all the, the time. I don't know if you heard, but the Earth is really struggling. We got a lot of people here already. <laughs> yeah. We honestly don't need. Maybe everyone. the ones that are hurting children don't need to be here. Hmm. I don't know. That's always my hot take. Yeah, I, I say this all the time, especially when it's like a story about like, oh, someone died today, like trying to take a selfie while hanging off of a moving train. It's like, I, for me, that just falls right into the category of like, yeah, we, we didn't, didn't need you. We didn't need you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's a. They found this guy. In uh, the outskirts of Stockholm, that was like a he was like big in the community, helping out the community. Mm-hmm. And turn, he was in his sixties, and it turned out he was grooming and hurting a bunch of kids sexually. Wow! For years, and when they caught him, he was like glad that they caught him. Like, he said that to them. What they, he was just they, getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just like basically he felt like he couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And the the girl who who uh, called the police told the police, "Go get him because I know, and people are gonna find out, and they will kill him." Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, interesting. It was in like the hood. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like, and he was doing it to the the kids that are like not ethnically Swedish, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it was like they about to fuck you up, bro. Uh, it's a very very, I, I those things. Touch me the most those types of stories that's crazy uh, it's, it's gross um well uh it appears that the nfl has um some rewriting of the record books to do uh the website that has become really popular over the years uh pro uh pff pro football reference has gone back and done a deep dive uh and has realized that Michael Strahan uh, should not be uh, the sack. NFL sack leader. Okay. Um, Total sacks or like in one year? The the one year sack record. Okay. Was it 21 so, and a half? Get this. P- prior to 1982, the NFL d- d- like did not record sacks as an official record. Okay. Okay. Uh, what? But... The, the, you know, this data is now obviously widely available. Mm-hmm. Um, Strahan uh, in 2001 uh, is credited with, with having the record for 22.5 sacks. 22 and a half, okay. 22 and a half sacks uh, on a very controversial final sack where Brett Favre just kind of laid yeah. down in front of him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can hear a lot of interviews with Strahan whining like a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> you don't like Strahan? Well, I just think it's he's like an amazing, amazing person. He's a great player, an amazing person, but I just think it's one of those things where it's like, you know. Oh, he's whining about this. He's whining about this, and he's whining uh, about the backlash that he got for, you know, for breaking this record. Um, it was Reggie White's first, right? 
no, it was some dude from the Jets. Okay, I forget some person who it was. I, uh, so maybe that's why. What are the Jets? Hmm. Um, I never heard of that. I don't remember. Never heard of that thing. Um, the Jets. But Sounds where like is it? I just saw an interview with a guy earlier today. Who's the guy with the fucking with the twenty three sacks? He is. He played. He was a rookie for. A rookie? He was a rookie for the Detroit Lions. I couldn't do shit with him, huh? He was a rookie for the Detroit Lions, and based on the research done by PFF, he um, he got 23 sacks in his rookie year. Was the defensive player of the year, obviously. Wow. Um, what the fuck is his name? Not Deacon Jones. Remember Deacon Jones? That guy was terrifying. Yes. Yes, I remember Deacon Jones. Uh, oh, Al Bubba Baker, Lions rookie. Al Bubba Baker, 1978, recorded 23 sacks. If your name is Al Bubba Baker, I don't want to defend. I don't want to block you, man. Mm. <laughs> and apparently, Al Bubba Baker uh, now has a uh, has a boneless barbecue rib joint. Nuh-uh. You yes, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Bubba. Bubba's boneless rib something. <laughs> Emporium or something. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, I heard an interview with him earlier this morning. Sounds like a cool dude. He said he was really kind of blown away when he got the email. He he actually broke down in tears and Mm. and was really moved by the whole thing. Um, Wow. So this guy, he basically, he puts up 23 sacks in his rookie. Imagine this, okay? Now, this is kind of funny, too, because when you think about, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier today, actually. You know the difference between the way the league was then and and the way it is now, mm-hmm. right? So here's a guy who came in, and I think I, in the interview he said his rookie contract he got like paid like I think he got a twenty five thousand dollars salary and a twenty five thousand dollars signing bonus. Like that oh, was his wow. rookie contract. Wow! Right? Uh, here's a guy he comes in, b- breaks the sack record, which nobody knew at the nobody, time. Yeah. He he gets, but regardless, he's he gets twenty three tackles, twenty three sacks. <laughs> Yeah. In his rookie year, he comes back the next year, gets like 17, and then the year after that, I think he had like 19. Wow. So imagine you're coming in. What is he, the first spin move ever? Imagine you're coming in like, and your rookie contract is getting ready to expire, yeah. and you've already recorded more sacks in your first three seasons than anybody in the history of the NFL. Yeah. The guy, crazy. We, and he's not even in the Hall of Fame. The guy would be, why is this guy not a legend? Yeah. He would be like on top of the universe. We think of him right now as like the greatest. One of the best defensive ends, like up there with ever. LT. Yeah. yeah. He'd be the best ever. Because didn't Taylor have it for a bit too? Lawrence Taylor? Maybe. I, I kind of feel like he did. He broke the record too. Oh, wow. Maybe he broke it for a linebacker or something. I don't know. Wow. But regardless. Very interesting story, and now that you know, obviously, pro uh, pro football reference has become a pretty legit organization. Yeah, definitely and working quite tightly with the league already, um, and with you know recording all of this the stats for the games that are happening you know in our time and in mm. real time. But now that they've decided to do, to do this deep dive on history. I mean, they could literally rewrite the history books of yeah. the NFL. The big question is, how is the NFL going to respond to them? You know what I mean? How? What it is they, what it is. Really? You think that's going to be their response? No. 
That's what you're, really? Roger Goodell. Well, it is what it is. Uh, Sorry, I Michael Strahan. When you start, because they he, said he was, I, when I read it, it said unofficial, too. Like, they are not going to, the NFL's probably going to be like, well, I mean, we didn't, we didn't record it. We didn't record it. But it'll be, it'll be cool to know. You know what I mean? Like uh, Lawrence Taylor has 132 and a half sacks in his career, hmm. but he had nine and a half the year before they started recording it. Well, there you go. So he's at 140. That's a nicer number too. How are you not recording sacks in, in yeah, any like, point in the, history? It's so important. It's like you're stopping the guy throwing the ball. You know when it doesn't matter? Back before they started the forward pass. <laughs> After that, True. it's important. <laughs> Because back uh, for people who don't know, the NFL began with only lateral and backwards passes, like rugby. Again, tell me again, what year do they start counting sacks? Was eighty two? Eighty two. So I had a okay, eighty two. Imagine they've been playing this game since the thirties, right? Twenties. Yeah. It never occurred to anyone to go, "Hey, isn't that the second time he's done that?" It's a very important. We should start. Ca- you know, hey, it seems like he did it again. Hold on, give I mean, me a quarterback tackles, huh. even if they call it something else. Yeah. Quarterback tackle is very he important. He seems to do that a lot, that one guy. And it really ruins the <laughs> offense. Yeah. Like, the offense can't do anything because it literally he keeps changes, tackling the quarterback. It completely changes the course <laughs> of the game, and they don't start counting it until 1982? How? Stupidity. How the fuck? A stupidity. And the league merged in the 60s. <laughs> so for 20, <laughs> almost 20 years, it was like 66, I believe, almost 20 years, they go... Like, oh, man, they keep tackling that guy with that the ball. Guy, he's really good at tackling the quarterback. That guy. <laughs> well, somebody should count the number of times that he's I mean, done that. But a tackle is a tackle. A tackle is a tackle. Not true. <laughs> it's not. No, so that not. tackle seems a little more important. As a as a as a Falcons fan who has been watching Matt Ryan <laughs> get sacked repeatedly every time he gets just outside the red zone and knocked out of field goal range. I can tell you with all due confidence that it, not all tackles are just tackles. You know, in 2037, the year 2037, they're going to be counting sacks that take you out of field goal range <laughs> <laughs> as a stat. Yeah. And they'll be like, how yeah. did the NFL go so long without counting R- seems, Matt Ryan sacks? But it seems even <laughs> it seems even more ridiculous when you look yeah. at this, um, like, because I mean, we're used to this now, but it, it still pisses me off. And every time it pops up, who is it? Who is it? What's the thing that pops up on the screen all the time where it's like, oh, the likelihood that Atlanta's going to w- lose this game? Next-gen stats. Thank you. Next-gen stats. Yeah. Every time that thing pops up on the screen. Oh, yeah. Like, they're literally counting the number of times a guy scratches his left testicle. Yeah, they're And you everything. can't fucking count yeah. sex until 1982? Like, yeah, come on. Like ridiculous. Anyway, Al Bubba Baker. He's a legend. Yeah. He deserves a yellow jacket. I never heard of him for it. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Change the record books. Uh, yeah. Do the I, right and thing. that's cool. I think it's cool if you do that. Like, I would be, if even if I was straight hand, I'd be, I know you said he was whining about it, but I would take it differently. I saw one video clip where he whined like a little bitch. Maybe he's not a little bitch. Maybe he's not. <laughs> you know? I mean, I but, certainly wouldn't say that to his face. He's, oh, hell no. He's a giant human person. And his fingers are rubber. Yeah. So if you get him around your neck, it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anything else, or should I go right in? Uh, one last little story, which I think is going to turn into a bigger story, but I just kind of want to sort of drop it okay. quickly now because Hot I, takes. I think a big story is coming soon. 
uh, a lot of you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but the Los Angeles Rams, once upon a time, used to be the St. Louis Rams. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you thought that St. Louis took it lightly when their football team left town, then you would be greatly mistaken. Uh, They have been suing the owner of the LA Rams. Oh, really? um, And the NFL for ever since the Rams left St. Louis. Um, oh, because the economy lost or whatever? Yeah, and it's starting to look like they're going to win. Um, it's starting to look like they're going to win this suit. It's It's no been way. in court, uh, and there was a bit of a conspiracy that came up between a lot of the owners because the owner of the Rams, when he was in St. Louis, before getting approval to move the team, was uh, had already bought plots of land in Inglewood mm. to build the future LA Rams stadium, which is now this fucking $5 billion yeah. SoFi stadium, which is going to house the Super Bowl next year. Inglewood um, up to no good. And during that time period, while he was doing this, uh, Roger Goodell was providing cover for him. Surprise, surprise. What? Saying that... Uh, He's a multitasker. Says here, Goodell was given talking points regarding the land purchase um, and he said to the St. Louis media, there are no plans, to my knowledge, for the stadium development. Uh, the Rams are going to stay in St. Louis. All the while, he and, uh, what's his name? Jones from the Cowboys. Oh, Jerry uh, Jones. Jerry Jones, who uh, had this company. It was called Le- Legends Hospitality. The Rams signed a contract with Legends Hospitality to sell season tickets and luxury suites. Uh, before the move was announced, and, wow. and this company is partially owned by Jerry Jones. Um, so the big story at the moment, which has yet to fully break, is that the judge in this case has decided that there are enough kind of nefarious moves made by the owners to to, to force this move out of St. Louis to Los Angeles that he's now asking for the owners to release their financial records so that they can see what really happened here. Oh, who got paid shit and all that kind of stuff. And so the, the stories that are being reported now are essentially saying these owners, if there's, there's only one thing in the world that these owners don't want to do and that's show their financial records. And given that the judge has ordered that expect a settlement very soon. Whoa. So St. Louis is about probably about to get the bag, which, you know, we should get, Paid is the season ticket holders. But that's that was actually my big question is like, okay, well if St. Louis gets the money, what do you do with it? Like Right, like how much is it gonna be and what do you do? It's what, gonna be a huge sum of money if it I got a <clears throat> I got a friend from England that uh asked me where would I put a football team in America? Like what city would I add a team to now? Mm, that's a good question. I was like, you know, there's two you have to do two. You need an AFC and you need an NFC team. Right. Okay. And I was almost stumped when he said it. Mm. But right now, in retrospect, I think it's it's a – oh, no, I'm thinking of basketball. I, I feel like team places that had teams before, but all I could think of is St. Louis right now. Mm. Where did another team move from? Mm, let's see. Well – Because you would have to do well, St. Houston, Louis. Well, Houston, but then they got a new one. I all mean, right. the Oilers became the all Titans, right. but then they got the Texans. I'm trying to think of all over the country. Um, I can't think of a place where I put that other team. St. Louis is an easy one, but where else? 
St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, because the Cardinals also moved from St. Louis. Yeah. What's wrong with St. Louis? <laughs> they buy tickets. <laughs> oh, well, Oakland. They don't have a team anymore. Oakland. That's what you do. Put a team in Oakland and you put a team in, uh, but that'll make 17 teams in each conference. Mm. Mm. You might have to do four teams. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. It's a tough one for the NFL. I would say, oh, God, that's a great. So I would say, not based on on the population or the size of the population. But I have always thought it's a little strange that in a state like Alabama, mm-hmm. that's so college football crazy. How could you not have a pro team? I mean, there aren't that many people in Alabama. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a smaller state. So, right, right, right. but I mean, we've got a team in Georgia. We're not that much bigger than Alabama. Yeah, that's true. And then like Carolina, cause I was thinking about this. Carolina had, uh, Two, I mean, they basically cover two states. Their sure. team like represents two states. Yep. I pulled up a map of America here. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> so, so we can look at it a little bit. So we got there's teams in a lot of these states, man. But like in the middle of the country, it's what. It, yeah, think about that. Think and if think you about get, the population, you get, and you also got to think of what division. Like this would shift everything. Mm. It would shift everything if you had, unless you just have a team, a division with five teams. Like right now, thirty-two makes sense, man. Yeah, unless but you that's go why to like I think 36. it's a little weird. I think it's strange that St. Louis didn't really work out as a. I mean, both the Cardinals and the and the Rams left. But when you look at it on a map, it's like you're right there in the middle of the country. You got Iowa, you got Illinois, you got Indiana, Kentucky, all those places. You could, you could yeah. support. I think Alabama could have a team. I think Tennessee could have a team. Tennessee uh, does have a team, bro. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> they do have a team. Uh, oh right, I heard they have this guy named Julio Jones who's really good. I kind of, I, I blacked it out. I forgot. About unless you start branching out and you put a team in Canada and you put, you know what I mean? Montana, like bro. No Are people gonna come. I don't know. There's nobody up. Whenever there. you, you got to think about like I, could, I should pull up a map of uh, Verizon wireless coverage. <laughs> That might be too inside for our uh, <laughs> listeners from Sweden. But every every phone commercial, they show their coverage, and then like right up there in the northwest I of the mean, country, look, it's like look at this little, little tiny Ohio. They got two teams in Ohio. Alabama can't have a team. Alabama should have a team. I, think, I would love for Alabama to have a team just so I could hate them. I already hate them, and they don't even exist yet. You got because right now the coverage they get is probably either Atlanta on the east part of Alabama, and then on the west they probably get New Orleans. Mm. Texas has two teams. Yeah, but nobody gives a shit about the Texans. Right? Arizona. I mean, they kind of cover the map pretty well, man. Oklahoma? You could throw a team in Alaska. Who wants to go there to play football in the winter? The the key would be to make it more of an international sport and put a team right up in where you don't have too much of a time zone difference and put a, a team in Mexico. Okay. And then put a team in Toronto. Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you got those two. Then you put a team in St. Louis. So you got three. And then maybe we drop one in Alabama. I think there's so many people in Toronto who root for the Bills. I think right, the, right. the Bills will be pissed if they put another team in, in Toronto. But then you got, I don't know Canada that campus. well, but you could put one up in the Central or the West because like, uh, they have CFL. They, they know football. You, I, so you as far as like, like Quebec, as far as like putting, I mean, there's really only three places where you could like population wise, where you could put a team that that could survive, you know, based on the number of people living there, uh, and that's Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. What about Quebec? That's the capital city. 
well, actually, Ottawa is the capital. Ottawa, yeah, I'm sorry. My bad. I apologize for um, my stupidity. I'm a hockey fan, so I know stuff yeah, about true, Canada. That's true. Ottawa. I knew, I knew that, too. I don't know. <laughs> Shout out to the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. They won the Stanley Cup. Shout out. And they had a crazy boat parade, just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. I don't know what the deal is in Tampa, Tampa but it's oh, like... Nice. It's just it's like it's the new title town all of a sudden. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, mm-hmm. Come on, Devil Race. And the 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 Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. This is two two years they won back to back. Oh, nice! Yeah. It's on, it's on the Bucks now. God, I hope got to do it. I hope not too. No. Um, but yeah, Mexico City will be what you do in Mexico. That'd be chaos. shit. Imagine Cancun football team. Oh, baby. <laughs> Let's go. I'm so ready to go somewhere like but that. But shout right out now. to Mike. My buddy Mike is the one who told me, uh, who asked me that question. And I was question, pretty Mike. stumped, man. Good question, Mike. Uh, I was stumped. But uh, I think you'd have to go international. I Like, America's pr- kind of covered. Unless you're going to, you know. They do have a pretty good spread. It's, it sucks that they have two New York teams. They got two California. What, three? What? How many teams in California? Three? Four? Uh, Rams, Chargers, 49ers. That's it, huh? Yeah. Right. It used to be four. Because right, because of the Raiders. Raiders left. Um, and you can't uh-huh. put one in Oregon. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. And in Montana, Idaho, they have no Verizon coverage. So, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, if anybody got some ideas for any states, uh, but I think the key to add is to add four teams. You really want to add eight if you want to be fair. Oof. Uh, eight new tough. teams to the NFL. Yeah, it'd be I'd tough because no. then expansion that'll water it down. That's too much. Everything. Yeah, but. I think we're already... Yeah, we already have too many, yeah. So maybe take teams enough. away. That, you can have a play-in. Mm. De- uh, what's it called? Relegation? I love this idea. Relegate it to EFL or whatever it's called. What if you cut the league in half? I don't know about that, man. But I'm saying, what if you cut it in half and you had... Three teams You had the NFL division? and then you had the division under it or all the teams that are on the outside looking in, but they're mm-hmm. trying to play in... Every mm, year, okay. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like a secondary league. Like, so the, would that uh, be fifteen or six? That's uh, sixteen, yeah, and right? They, they play you have in the sixteen summer. in the NFL and sixteen yeah. in the yeah in the uh, the the S S N L what <laughs> the S F L the secondary the football second, league secondary football league national football okay S-F-L, sure yeah. S N F L that's not confusing at all. Uh, <laughs> yes, we should do that. That's not going to happen. Can you imagine the Cowboys get relegated? They would go nuts. But I would say you do it eight teams, maybe. Eight teams under and then the rest on top? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then add a couple teams like um, you know, Toronto. You like you know make to make it to twelve. I don't even know why we're talking about this. Right, it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, right. I like it, but it's like if they had a relegation system, but the the NFL doesn't have the problem that the NBA does, which is. What the NBA? What they were uh, losing on purpose and shit? Uh huh. They don't have that problem in the NFL. Do they lose on purpose to and get that, a better draft pick? Yeah, because the draft pick means more when you only got fifteen people on your team. Uh huh. One player could really change. The do game. they not? Do they have a lottery? They, that's why they have the lottery. Uh, okay. So. But the NFL doesn't have it. Everybody tries to win no matter what. Plus, they treat the players like slaves, so mm. they're playing for contracts and shit like that. Shout out to slavery. Shout out. <laughs> It, uh, you know, a lot of people think that slavery uh, died out a long time ago, but it, 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 in all fairness, uh, it's still a winning strategy for some some business models. So it, it continues. NCAA. Uh, so yeah, shout out to slavery for surviving all this time. 
without making people aware that it's still out there. So yeah. that's that's pretty, you know, hiding in plain sight, as they say. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the AFC West uh, coaching staffs. Yes, let's. I got, uh, as I say every time, we're going uh, alphabetically by mascot. Uh, so if you're a fan of the teams, it'll be the uh, Denver Broncos, mm. the L.A. Chargers, mm. the Kansas City Chiefs, mm. and the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my breakdown. And then at the end, we'll rank who we think are uh, the the best to the worst coaching staffs. I can already answer that question, but go ahead. All right. Well, you, I don't know. You might get some new information here. That's true. Sorry. This might, this might change up. Now your, I'm just being uh, ignorant. You're just being ignorant, man. Just being ignorant. Um, what are you, straight hand? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So we'll start with the Denver Broncos. We got Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. I wonder who he was rooting for in the EM. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is his third season as head coach. A little background about him. He's been a coach for over 40 years and a defensive coordinator for 20 of those 40 years. He's worked for the Saints, Panthers, Colts, Texans, Ravens, San Francisco, for Stanford, both of them under uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and uh, Chicago. Mm. All of those teams had middle to top tier defenses with Fangio at the helm. He's one of those cases we've all been talking about where he survived a firing. Bears fired John Fox and kept Fangio, who applied for the head coaching position, on Matt Nagy's staff. Um, they also increased his level of responsibility. That 2018 Bears team led the league in turnovers, force 37, and interceptions, 27. They were third in total defense, second in yards per play, and first in scoring. Nuts. Yet people were still somehow drinking the Trubisky Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> The Broncos knew what was up, and they hired Fangio. They had a decent first season that put the league on notice that Denver could be on the right track. Last season, they regressed and memorably played a game without a starting or backup caliber quarterback. Funny thing is, that team is just about ready. The defense is stout, as you'd expect, and an elite quarterback could put them over at the top. Deshaun Watson. Offense. While uh, Vic Fangio was grinding out a career coaching linebackers and defenses, Pat Shermer was doing the same on the other side of the ball. Shermer is now the coordinator for the Broncos with over 30 years of coaching experience under his belt. Broncos offense loves 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end, which one would think leads to a pass-happy offense, but they run the ball more out of this formation than a traditional West Coast offense would. That could be a lack of complete faith in Drew Locke. Or they have an old-school coach that likes to do it the old-school way. It's probably a little bit of both. Officially, Pat Shermer brings the West Coast offense to the table. The passing attack has been vertical. But when you look at that receiver core, you'd expect more precise timing routes, such as slants, quick ends, and comebacks. This is going to be the second season for Locke and company under Shermer, so that may make a difference. There's also the newest league journeyman, Teddy Bridgewater, there to add another question mark to the equation. That side of the ball is kind of a mess right now. That's mm. it. Defense, Fangio's been doing what Fangio does. He put together a formidable defense in a short amount of time. Broncos play with a three-man front on their base defense. However, according to anyone you ask, there are multiple defense. It's multiple and it's flexible with a major focus on disguise. The players are able to make on-field adjustments based on the offense tendencies while showing uh, the same look. They mix in every type of zone with occasional man coverage and plenty of blitzes. blitzes. The defensive coordinators, Ed Donatel, longtime assistant in Fangio's defenses since back in San Francisco. They seem to have a great partnership going and aren't done making its defense elite. Let's not forget how good they were despite having not having Von Miller all season long. 
My thoughts is not the hottest take of them all, but Vic, Vic Fangio is the right cho- uh, coach for a strong defensive-minded team. That was the formula, after all, for this fr- franchise to get their last title. Remember that under Peyton Manning? I do remember Things that. Things will be under control and possibly better on the defensive side of the ball, but it's 2021. Even with the biggest clamps ever, you have to score to win. Even if you don't score, you have to, at the very least, have some long drives to keep your vaunted defense fresh. This is where the problem lies. That offense was pretty stagnant at times. Drew Locke seems to be destined for either 10 years of clipboard duty or out of the league before that first contract is up. Bridgewater doesn't seem like the answer either, but that receiver core is ripe for success. The right guy there could erase the taste of that 2020 offense from our mouths and have us rooting for a young, fun team. All in all, it looks like Fangio's building up uh, the right way. I feel like he's the right coach to get it done. He's got an experienced and knowledgeable staff. If I were him, I'd have Pat Shermer on a short leash. There's not much room for error with what could be an explosive offense. He doesn't get real results this year, then you got to get rid of him, even if it's for self-preservation. I honestly don't know if they'll put it together this year or not. Hmm. That's what I got for them. I um, <clears throat> I think I think it's a little weird. Didn't they? Weren't they? Could didn't they have an opportunity to get Justin Fields in the draft? Wasn't that possible? He went third. San Francisco got him third, right? No, no, that's Trey Lance. I'm Trey talking Lance. about Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. Where did he go? Chicago. He went to Chicago, like 10th. 11th, right? Or 11th. And they were 7th, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Who'd they get? I don't remember. A cornerback, right? Maybe. I think they got a cornerback. Um, I, look, I think, <clears throat> I think Vic Fangio is, uh, I think he's in trouble. To be honest with you, uh, as as yeah, Pat Sertan the second. Exactly. Yeah, he. I, I think he's in trouble, and, and I think the Broncos are in trouble. I think really? we need to quit fucking around with yeah. this whole Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Agreed. QB competition bullshit, and go out there and get a real QB. Now, obviously, some of the biggest rumors related to Aaron Rodgers have been him going to the Broncos. If he goes there, in playoffs. Yeah, and as you sort of hinted, uh, Deshaun Watson as well, if if that legal situation were to work itself out and yeah. make it possible for him to play, um, I mean, this team could be very good. But yeah. I think it's like... What are you wait? What are you waiting on? You really think that this team you're gonna this team's gonna return to glory after some kind of a QB competition between Drew Locke and Teddy mm. Bridgewater? What yeah, the maybe they're overestimating their uh, defensive prowess. But it's 2021, like I said. You gotta, I think if you this team score. shits the bed again, I, I don't think Vic Fangio is coaching the Broncos next year. Yeah, but they just started over. Like they had Vance Joseph for like what two years? True. And then they got to they started over again. If they okay, reset, fine. Maybe you maybe you can survive one more year. Right, and that's why I say you put Pat Shermer on the short lease. That offense. That's has a to good get point. Going. I can buy that. Uh, I, think I, I can see him surviving one I, more year. Yeah, I can't. I can't see them. Like it's stupid if they fire him again. Mm. I'm gonna fire another coach after. Mm. Uh, this is his third season. Is it? Yeah, this is gonna be his third season. I think after three seasons, you officially enter the hot seat category. After th- yeah, but uh, you can't fire after this third season. Personally, what I if think. they go 0 6? I mean, if season. he's lost the locker room, if there's some <laughs> scandal that comes out, you know, then. Right. Or if there's some, uh, I don't know, if coaches walk off the job. You know what I'm saying? If it's got to fall apart to fire him. Because mm-hmm. I can't put it all on Fangio, especially if you changed course 
on Vance Joseph quickly mm. like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you still got remnants of that regime. In but there. it also feels like, like you said too, that the the defense is 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 so good. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to waste but, it. Yeah. It, it, it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like year after year, you're you're always up against the cap. You're always having to reshuffle. You're always having to worry about that kind of stuff. So it's like, do you really want to waste uh, an A level defense with a with a D level offense? If you if you fire Fangio, is that defense going to be as good? I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you're going to have to. Of course not. Probably not. You're going to have to regroup and either mm-hmm. get another. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm biased to defensive coaches. Defensive-minded coaches, sure. Uh, so that's part of it as well. Mm. So we'll see, man. I, I like your uh, your points, though. Mm. Uh, the L.A. Chargers have Brandon Staley, first season coach, new guy, new guy, new guy alert. <laughs> Brandon Staley left his job basically across the street as the Rams' defensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> to take the <laughs> to take the Chargers' head coach position, he did well as a defensive coordinator, considering it was the top defense in the league last year. It doesn't hurt to have Aaron Don- Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but still, the best is the best. He became an immediate head coach prospect after that one year at L.A. After that one year, just the one, the one, just the, the one, one year in L.A. as the Rams' uh, defensive coordinator, just the coordinator. one, interesting, yeah, with Aaron Donald. Let me guess, white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, uh, definitely. Let's see a white guy. Of him. Oh shit! Yeah, he's white. Hey, white as hell. Yeah, he's white. As white as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but they're calling it the the McVeigh effect. Anybody who has spoken to, breathed on, fucked, hugged oh, Sean McVeigh is getting a job now, bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, bro. Bro. Bro, you're hired, bro. Bro. Uh, you got to hire this guy, bro. Bro, you got this to, This bro man. is the best bro ever. <laughs> and yeah, hire him. Uh, Staley began in the college ranks as on the defensive side of the ball. He was working at whatever level it took. Some D1, some D3, even community college. Oh, wow. His most significant coaching role was at John Carroll University as defensive coordinator, lines slash linebackers coach. Where the fuck is John Carroll? Where the fuck is that? Never heard of John Carroll University. But he was defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. That shows how small their budget was. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He entered the NFL ranks as a linebackers coach for the Bears and then the Broncos. And then, last year, he took on the defensive coordinator position in L.A. Offense, Staley hasn't coached offense at all. He, uh, hell, he's only coached for four years at the NFL level. Uh, so it makes sense that he went back to his former coach, Joe Lombardi, yes, from that family, Lombardi huh. family, uh-huh. to run his offense. Lombardi has been around for a while. Uh, most of that time was spent as quarterback's coach in New Orleans for Drew Brees. He left for a short stint to take an offensive coordinator job in Detroit. That didn't last long as he was fired after a season and a half by Jim Caldwell. Nicest guy ever. You're fired. <laughs> If that's okay with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, he tried to fit Matt Stafford into a Drew Brees offense, and it didn't work out. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Stafford's numbers improved immediately after Lombardi was canned. <laughs> All I could gather about Lombardi's Detroit days is that he ran a zone power rushing attack. It was met with, skeptic- uh, it was met with skepticism. Hopefully, they had uh, an athletic lineman. That's what I'm hoping they had. If not, then that would explain a lot. Coming from the Saints, I gather Lombardi plans to use elements of the Air Coriel offense, which is very vertical, and that would match the wide receiver core very well. And uh, the problem is their quarterback. I've never heard of him, and uh, he's going to suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was Jonathan's hot take last year. <laughs> Justin Herbert. Yeah. Uh, who? I, Justin who? Never heard of him. No, he's going to suck. I think suck. he's going to suck. <laughs> 
I won't be able to dig in more, unfortunately, until I can see this offense in action. My first instinct is going to be a goddamn train wreck. Uh, defense, Staley was like, fuck experience, and went with another new coach for his defensive coordinator. Ronaldo Hill, he used to play for the Dolphins, is a former player mm. and most recently defensive backs coach in Denver. This will be his first time calling the defense. He coached the college ranks a bit and uh, before making the leap to the NFL in 2018. Huh. Yeah. This doesn't seem as troubling as the offensive selection. Um, as Staley is a defensive coach himself, and they work together in Denver, I get the impression Staley found it important to surround himself with a round shape of individuals that he could rely on, a circle of trust. Ooh, like a cul-de-sac of brotherhood. <laughs> a cul-de-sac of brotherhood. <laughs> yes. A cul-de-sac of brotherhood. I've heard that's good. Yeah, coming from Denver, we can expect this defense to be multiple and flexible. The roster is set up for 3-4 front, so uh, it's likely that they'll uh, be in a 3-4 a lot. The complexity of the defense may not be the same as Denver, but it will be beneficial if they get close to it. My thoughts, can I yell at my lawn for a second? (laughs) (laughs) Please do. Can I stroke my gray beard and shake my fist in the air for a second? Yeah. This dude got hired with only four years of NFL coaching experience. Are we supposed to believe he's going to come in and turn this franchise around? Mm. They fired Anthony Lynn, and then they got this guy. After one year as a coordinator, they got this fucking guy mm. to to turn it around after firing Anthony Lynn. I hope he fails. <laughs> I want him to fail so badly because how <laughs> the fuck did he get hired? It's not like he was the right-hand man to a top coach for 10 years and everybody knew it was his time, Eric Bieniemy. He wasn't ever <laughs> given the time to become the elite coordinator that keeps the other side guessing year after year. We literally saw one year with the purchased franchise because we all know they built that team through the free agency. That's true. And they said, That's this is point. our guy. That's a good point. I'm not saying he's unqualified, by the way. Right. I'm, and we'll see later. Um this has been shown to be successful mm. to just take a guy you believe in. You know, I'm not saying he's unqualified. I'm just saying he's unproven. Mm. And so are the coaches that he hired on his staff. Right. I mean, this is a complete toss up. Yeah. Uh, but you have to imagine if he's, pre- this guy is going to get so much rope to fail. They're going to give yeah. him so much slack. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be like uh, Vance Joseph. And it could be one of those things or where... Anthony Lynn. <laughs> yeah, or it could be one of those things where, where success in, in, in this particular setup with a, with a first-year coach and all these first-year coordinators and whatnot, uh, success could be defined as winning one more game than they lost last year because they have this amazing yeah. quarterback, right? I mean, they... They exceeded expectations to a certain extent. I mean, their season got off to a weird start because Tyrod yeah. Taylor got his lung punctured, and yeah. and nobody and they knew lost who, a lot of close games. Nobody knew who Justin Herbert was, and they lost a lot of close games. And Anthony yeah. Lynn didn't seem to understand the whole concept of time, time and space <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, like, we got extra time, right? I so mean, was- the bar is pretty low for this guy already, yeah. Yeah. right? He's gotten this very quick sort of injection into this top level gig. Yeah. Um, and the bar, not only that, like the bar is like so low, you could just walk over it. So it's going to be interesting to see. He's going to get a fucking shock. I, or 
or it could be one of those things where yeah. you know because you think about the Chargers from last year, like a little luck here and there. They're a ten win team, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and if they could do that this year, then they're going to be talking about this guy like he's a fucking genius. Uh, that's true. So just watch, just watch the narrative build. Yeah, throughout the year, watch it build. And how much rope they to get? He's going to get all the rope. Yeah, I think all you're right it. about that. Yeah, he's going to get all the rope. Yeah, especially <laughs> them by the team. Like they're not going to want to give mm. up because it looks bad to fire Anthony Lynn like that. And mm. then with all of that promise there, now you changing coordinators and all this shit. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, I wish them the worst. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next is the Kansas City Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Don't know if you heard of this guy. It's his uh, ninth season. Uh, as their coach. The big man. The big man. Andy Reid was first seen by the world as a 13-year-old gigantic man-child in a punt-pass-kick competition on Monday Night Football. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, Google it. It's really funny. <laughs> he went on to play college ball at BYU and coach a bit at that level as well. He's from the Mike Holman coaching, Holmgren coaching tree uh-huh. from back in the Green Bay Packers days. Nice. He was there from 1992 until 1999. Right. The most prestigious role he had in that time was of uh, the quarterback's coach. Mm. I repeat, he was quarterback's coach. <laughs> Never offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, anything like that. He had been O-line and tight ends coach. Holmgren blocked prior attempts by, by teams to hire Reed as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So people knew something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the story of Reed's hiring is pretty cool. Jeff Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, asked around for coaches that annoyed players with their attention to detail. <laughs> he said, I need somebody that's super detailed because I got fucking Ray Rhodes here. <laughs> so, and he's just like, go, go, go play, guys. Hut, go. Uh, Reed came in with a five-inch thick book of his season, uh, of his, uh, of his uh, plan as head coach of the Eagles in the interview. Five inches thick. Wow. Uh, they wanted to hire Reed's old boss, Mike Holmgren, but he got the job in Seattle, and he suggested to them, you should hire Andy Reed, my old quarterback's coach. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Lurie was like, I'll do it. And he got they got flack for that. Uh, they were like, what the fuck? Why are you hiring this dude? We got all these high-profile coaches out here. And then Reed coached the Eagles to a perennial playoff team, reaching the NFC Championship four games in a row. He led them to the Super Bowl and coached 44 Pro Bowl seasons out of his players. I repeat, 44 Pro Bowl seasons out of his players. Wow. The spark eventually died between the city of brotherly love and uh, Reed. That's weird because Philadelphia always loves their players unconditionally and coaches. And his contract wasn't renewed after, uh, I think he was there for 11 years. The Chiefs brought in Reed after a long bout with mediocrity. He immediately turned the team around, and each year they were favored to win the division. He maximized the performance of Alex Smith and made him look like an actual quarterback. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and this was before Alex Smith had the Terminator leg, and then shot to another level with one Patrick Mahomes. Now the Chiefs have gone to the Super Bowl, have gone to become Super Bowl favorites every year. Reed has yet to have a losing season in Kansas City and has only missed the playoffs once with a 9-7 record in 2014. Offense. Everyone who's been around Andy Reid says he's an offensive mastermind. They even say he has a beautiful mind. Like, uh, you know, that, that, that movie. Really? The fa- yeah. <laughs> they say, the people say that, yeah. Uh-huh. He's like a beautiful mind. Numbers and all that shit. Yeah, that's what they say about him. The fact that, he, and more than one person said that. That was crazy when I was reading that. People say that he's just fucking. The fact that he's led two teams to the Super Bowl mm. 15 years apart yeah. is proof that he's an open-minded sponge that refuses to be left behind by the evolution of the NFL. Mm. He's on the forefront right now, even though he's considered a West Coast offense coach. 
He predicted the spread offense coming to the college game and making an impact on the NFL years before it did. This is a true story. Somebody said they were talking to Andy Reid, and they asked him about what does he think about the future of the NFL. He said, look at the college game. He said, that spread offenses that they're doing, mm. at like Oregon and shit like that, give it five years, and it's going to come to the NFL. And like mm. three years later, spread offense mm. came to the NFL. Insane. I was just like so impressed when I read about that. Interesting. Um... Uh, he predicted spread offense coming to the uh, up from the college game, making an impact on the NFL years before it did. Now, most of the NFL teams use at least a portion of the spread concepts in their offense, as you can see with the, uh, yeah, the these crazy-ass offenses. This is why I can't pinpoint the Kansas City offense. It's a mismatch of every offense <laughs> with the West Coast offense at the core of what they're doing. They go vertical when they need to and spread out a defense when they need to. They can attack you underneath or stretch you out for, for a smash middle run. Andy Reid is 63 years old and seems to be in the prime now, in his prime right now. He will also likely have Eric Bieniemy at his side until he retires since no one wants to hire their brother. Uh, the Chiefs' defense was lackluster when Reed first arrived. Uh, they basically had to hope <laughs> that they got the ball last to win games. Then Reed hired Steve Spagnuolo former head coach and defensive coordinator that took down the Patriots as coordinator for the Giants in the Super Bowl, or by the Giants. Mm. Uh, Spagnuolo used to be in Philadelphia when Reed was there, and he came up under legend Jim Johnson. I don't know if you know about this guy. The blitz maniac from the days when Philly had the sick defense. It's that old guy who died in the middle of the season. Mm. Spagnuolo used a 4-3 base and blitzes from all over the place, just like Jim Johnson used to. Spagnuolo is the piece that finally got the Chiefs over the hump to make it to the Super Bowl. The team is complete now and has another way to beat you besides hoping they run up the score against the ball or gets the ball last. My thoughts? I'm an Andy Reid fan. Always root for him. Appreciate his taking a, a chance on Michael Vick and even Donovan McNabb back in yep. the day when their own fans booed and threw batteries at him when he was selected at the draft. It's Philadelphia. What do you? Because they wanted Ricky Williams. Yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, Ricky. Back, back in the day, that was enough of a reason for me to like him, Andy Reid. But to see what he's done now is undeniable that this guy is one of the greatest football minds we'll experience in our lifetimes, and it's just fun to witness. Uh, especially, I feel bad for uh, you know the loss of his uh, well his, his other son that um, killed himself, mm. and then he's got the son who killed somebody else. So yeah, that, uh, <laughs> oh, so, so it's a wash. <laughs> <laughs> got in a car accident. Oh shit! Drunk driving. Uh, the Chiefs. Uh, oh, I guess that kid lived, right? No, the kid died, right? Nah, kid, kid lived. Kid lived. Uh, okay. I think brain damage for life. Oh shit. Kind of all right, the Chiefs are in good hands and will be a perennial playoff team uh, for the foreseeable future. He's put together a good staff and seems to take care of his players as well. So that's what my thoughts on Andy Reid, except for uh, Le'Veon Bell, man. <laughs> that's the only one he didn't take care of. Yeah, apparently, yeah, him and Le'Veon did not. I don't know. Le'Veon obviously didn't get along with him. Yeah, uh, Le'Veon said, I'm taking the low road. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I wish you luck, buddy. And he's like, you're a racist piece of shit. I mean, right. I, uh, Andy Reid is a, he's such a character. Uh, he, you know, I, I love this guy. I thought the, the COVID year was hilarious when he had the, the shield, when he the had the big Darth shield, Vader, <laughs> was all fogged up the first couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> until he figured out some kind of defogger thing to put on it. And then he switched to a mask. I mean, he, he's, he, he He's he, he's an easy guy to like. Yeah, uh, he seems like one of the greatest 
football minds that we have yeah. at the moment. I, I do worry about the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit because they're kind of, you know, with him being thought of as this beautiful mind and Mahomes being thought of, you know, as, you know, the greatest quarterback in the game at, at the moment. Uh, they're entering into that territory where it's like, if you don't win the Super Bowl, then your season it's is a, a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a weird place to be, I yeah. think, especially for a guy who took him so long to get one. Yeah, You know what I mean? That's so I, I, I worry about the pressure that comes to them. That being said, they're, uh, you know, if you don't root for a team that's in this division and you're just a neutral fan, it's hard not to like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're yeah. really fun to watch. Good point. Uh, and that's thanks mostly to Andy Reid. His 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 kid is obviously a knucklehead. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, he turns his shit around. Turns his shit around, or or, or never <laughs> coaches again. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah, kick him out the family. Both. You know, but it's um, and he's an example though. Like, I talked shit about Staley not having experience, and then mm. Reed came straight from quarterback's coach. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah, that's straight true. Straight from yeah. quarterback's he coach, and uh, but but the coach blocking him from offensive coordinator mm. positions at other teams is different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's when you knew he knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, now we're on to the Las Vegas Raiders, if you want to hear about a team that's got their shit together. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's John Gruden's fourth season. Background, John Gruden started out in the college ranks and flirted with the NFL between college gigs. Uh, the coach showed uh, that sh- saw something in him was Mike Holmgren, mm-hmm. another Mike Holmgren. Mm-hmm. And, he, uh, and he brought Gruden onto his staffs at San Francisco as well as Green Bay. Gruden fast-tracked to the offensive coordinator position in Philly under Ray Rhodes and then in 98 got hired on as head coach in Oakland. We all know the story. Gruden made them contenders. They made it to the AFC Championship game twice in a row and lost both, even though they got fucking robbed in that stupid tuck rule game. Uh, Gruden got traded to Tampa Bay for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million in cash. Mm. At the time, it looked like Al Davis fleeced Tampa Bay and in turn made it harder to keep building that team organically, giving up all those draft picks. Yet, they'd have a coach. Uh, Yes, uh, yes, they'd have a coach, but uh, first and second round, Talent for two years, uh, that's pretty tough. Davis won the trade on paper, and it was done by Tampa in the long run. But they were desperate because they had jumped the gun on firing Dungy, and uh, uh, he got hired almost immediately in Indianapolis, by the way, so they felt like they had to do something. Gruden did, however, take that Tampa Bay team to the Super Bowl and won it all in the first year that he was there. Uh, plus, none of those draft picks turned out uh, panned out for the Raiders. None of them that mm-hmm. they that they traded for uh, John Gruden. So in the end, Tampa came out on top, in my opinion, because of that in that dra- mm. trade. Many, including myself, gave much of the credit uh, for that Super Bowl to Tony Dungy, who was the architect of that team. Uh, John Gruden even thanked him in a speech after the Super Bowl victory. Gruden never made it back to the big game in Tampa and eventually got fired and became a broadcast analyst for a few years. I didn't know this, but he started uh, the Fired Football Coaches Association, FFCA, (laughs) where he would bring in coaches, players, and assistants to study film and go over things at his location in Tampa Bay. I found that shit fascinating. That's just funny. Like, yeah, we're going to, hey, you got fired? Hey, come on in, man. They said people like Sean McVay came by there. Uh, I don't remember all of the names, but they named a lot of prestigious coaches. Even, um, I think Monty Kiffin even came there, who hmm. was his defensive coordinator in uh, in Tampa. 
But they just came down there, hang out with him, and look at Taylor. Like he just kept looking at, studying film, looking at film, and that makes sense when you watched him on Monday Night Football. He got a gig working for Monday Night Football, and he was breaking everything down each game. He even had these uh, film sessions where he sit down with potential draft picks and stuff like that, uh, and ask them, "Hey, man, what do you see right here?" Like he sat with Deshaun Watson famously, and mm. they're breaking plays down before they get uh, before they go to the draft. He eventually came back to uh, an evolved NFL in nineteen in two thousand eighteen, and the Raiders, uh, as the Raiders coach again with a big ass contract ten ten year hundred million dollar contract. He started out by trading away. Oh, and he had a no trade clause <laughs> in his contract this time. He started out by trading away uh, their best players for picks, and so far it has not panned out. They've been a decent team, starting off strong and then fizzling out uh, close, to close out the season. He has seven more years on his contract, so there's time to make it work. On offense, John Gruden is considered an offensive, uh, a great offensive mind. He's always worked on that side of the ball and runs what's been called a complicated version of the West Coast offense. This time around, his version of the West Coast offense is more spread out, of course. The NFL's gone that way and keeping with the evolution. His offenses uh, commit to the run, and he's notoriously hard on his quarterbacks. Mm. Calling the plays is Greg Olson, longtime coordinator in the league that has coached on the Rams, Bucks, Jaguars, previous Raiders regime, and the Rams again. A lot of these are short stints, and that never looks good. <laughs> uh, but John Gruden is never going to be ha- be uh, hands off with that offense. So uh, the Raiders struggled last year on defense so much so that John Gruden fired Paul Gunther before the season ended. Gruden hired longtime coach, student of Monty Kiffin's defense, and architect of the Legion of Boom, Gus Bradley. Bradley uh, runs a multiple 4-3 base and uh, adds a lot of cover three techniques. That's the thing they did in uh, in uh, Seattle. Bradley likes to keep defenses guessing by mixing up fronts, moving pass rushes around. The Raiders are close to being prepared for this defense personnel-wise, but it may take another season or two to see things really pan out. As I said, Gruden, he's got time. The Raiders secondary was subpar last year. To switch to cover three may be a big adjustment for these players. Uh, Bradley's going to have to have his work cut out for him. My thoughts? One hill I was prepared to die on was that the game passed John Gruden by. He has, however, improved on his record each year. He's also started strong the last two seasons and then limped to the finish line just short of a playoff berth. Does that mean he gets figured out by teams? Offensively, the Raiders are hot and cold. Some games they look unstoppable, and some games you wonder if they even had practice this week. <coughs> Defense, uh, Atlanta should, Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> Defense should be under control now because they got Gus Bradley, um, yeah, who's mm-hmm. uh, even made it up to head coach because of his defensive coaching. It's uh, it's good that John Gruden pulled the trigger on firing Gunther. That's a good sign, uh, like he did to send a message. Bradley might make them dangerous. Of course, I stand by my statement that Gruden was a mistake. He has an opportunity to remove all doubt from him taking that Tony Dungy team to the promised land. After all, Dungy went on and won it all with another team himself. So mm. I just don't see Chucky doing the same. Not with this team. No. Uh, any thoughts on them? And then I can tell you my rankings. Well, uh, Or you could just tell me your rankings, too. I mean, I just think... It, it, Gruden is like one of those guys. He's like the king of having too much rope, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I and I think he's kind of running out, to be honest. Yeah, man, um, the ten-year contract. Bro. He's um, coaches' contracts are guaranteed. He's such a personality too. You know what I mean? And I think he may get a making that he, face. I mean, you either like him or you don't like him. You know what I mean? But where you it, at? You don't like him. <laughs> 
I don't I don't dislike him, but I'm like I feel like I can see through him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm right there with you. Yeah. I don't dislike him, I but I can see through him. Yeah, yeah. And and I I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh and and I know I I knew all too well how he won that Super Bowl. Yep. And it felt like, yeah, come on, slow your roll, bro. Yeah. Like you're still living off of that. Give me a break. What have you done? Really, since then, yeah. I mean, you even left the game and and became a broadcaster for a while until you finally came. But he had the FFCA. That you know, and that's <laughs> you know what's kind of fascinating about that is because that whole just that idea alone, in a weird way, I feel like fits the Raiders' kind of profile, right? Because the Raiders historically, with Al Davis uh, as the owner, the Raiders were this place where. Uh, where if if you couldn't make it in the league, the Raiders wanted you. Mm-hmm. Come play for us. We'll we'll show the rest of the mm-hmm. league that you're yeah. you're a good player. Yeah. Like we'll let you be you, as long as you go out there and win, baby, win. That's all that matters. Just win yeah. football games, and you get to do whatever you want off the field. Mm. You know we don't care. And that's an interesting philosophy that I think worked for a period of time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't think it works anymore. No, I, not to, in today's in today in today's NFL. I don't think it works. I think it takes it takes more than heart, right, to be a champion. It ain't winning because you want it more anymore. No, and maybe that was true once upon a time back yeah. when back when analytics didn't have such a grip on yeah. the game, but yeah. now they do. And you're like, oh, well, every time we do a slant route, he can't keep up. So we're gonna keep fucking doing this until they adjust. Mm-hmm. And, and you tell your linebacker, you got to want it more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not going to make me run a 4-3. And they do this every year. I mean, every year. Except for Tebow. He can, he can ev- Yeah, of course. He's going to be amazing. He's going to score, what was it, 4.5 touchdowns? It was like five touchdowns. Yeah, something like that. Uh, every year the Raiders seem to do this complete about face in the middle of the season. Mm. Uh, last year, interestingly enough, it just happened to be against the Falcons. Actually, it was the year before too, wasn't it? Or no, maybe no, not. La- no, it wasn't last. It, but last year, it was like they were kind of on a roll. They were doing well, and then all of a sudden, they just got completely blown out yeah. by a Falcons team, which had only up to that point won like two games, three games. Um, but, I mean, they just got totally undressed. Yeah. I, I I think he's a thr- he to, to me. Gruden is like kind of a throwback personality. Yeah. You know, he would have fit in perfect to the league. Um, you know, around the Lombardi days, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I just feel like you it's know. over. Anyway, sorry, bro. Seven more years, though. Hang in there, Raiders fans. They can't fire him for seven years. They can fire him, but they're gonna have to they pay him a hundred million. Shit. So maybe they'll do it after after six years. They'll probably be like, all right. That's crazy yeah. contract. Yeah. That's insane. Or maybe they, yeah, they eat it, man. Pay them off and then move on. What's your rankings? All right. My rankings are uh, Andy Reid is number one. Mm-hmm. Despite all those things I just said about John Gruden based on, well, you know, I think I think he has elements of being a good coach. I, I put him at number two in this division. Okay. I go Fangio number three and then Staley last only because he's just a big fucking question mark. Yeah. I mean, that to me... Staley could could flip places with Fangio by the end of the season easily, but it's like mm. how am I, I don't even know how to rate Brandon Staley based on what I know about him. It just 
Yeah. He's either going to be there or he's not. I'm I'm going with the Chiefs first. Yeah. Uh, with the Reed and Company. Yeah. They got the maybe the best two coaches in the division with uh Eric B and me and uh and uh Andy Reed. Yeah. Then you got I got the Broncos. I got Fangio and that uh experienced staff that he built there. Yeah. And then I got John Gruden and his staff. Mm-hmm. And uh I think Gus Bradley's gonna be a big boost for them. And then uh Staley, I think it's gonna yeah. crash and burn. I I think that uh it's a pretty steep drop off. After yeah, Andy after, Reid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, they're not gonna lose. They're not gonna uh, lose because of coaching. And I mean, division. it's like there's yeah. Andy Reid and there's these three other assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Second, third, fourth. What Hot does it take, matter? Number one is Vic Fangio. In the division. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right. All right, we went. Woof, we went long this time, man. We did. Fifteen minutes on soccer, so we got excited about the soccer, baby. Yeah. Uh, soccer Italia Italia <laughs> <laughs> Alright thanks for checking out It's been NFL It's been Jonathan Rollins Skip me Sara And we'll check y'all next time Later y'all deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 